Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Austin and Jim. Halloween is approaching, and I started thinking about scary things, and I'm I'm wondering what scary things you guys see out there on the horizon with international relations, Jim. Well, there's two there's two categories of scary things. One are the situations we know about that could go off the rails uh, in a bad way, and then of course there's the situations we don't know about, and that's a long long list I won't even try to go into. But the ones we do know about. First of all, there's China. China is going through multiple crises at the moment. Uh, the first one is uh, economic. Uh, and we've covered this, the mass media has covered this, the Evergrande Company, it's a, the, one of the major <coughs> uh, real estate uh, companies. They build a lot of stuff. Uh, <coughs> they, are, they have $300 billion in debt, which is considered very bad debt, weak debt. Um, and they are defaulting. Uh, they've gone through several. They defaulted on several, uh, uh, you know, bonds or you know, uh, debt payments that uh, come due, and apparently they're going to go through uh, even more. Uh, China at first expressed concern. The world was wondering, are they going to try and, you know, uh, declare uh, Evergrande too big to fail and uh, bail them out? But China's already been bailing out a lot of other sectors of the economy. And apparently, China's decided to do the worst possible thing. Uh, they're not bailing them out, but they're saying it's not really a problem. Of course, it is a problem because the word does get out. China has this great firewall of China, uh, which basically makes it very difficult for most Chinese to reach the outside world. But there are thousands, possibly millions of Chinese who do know how to get out without being detected and thrown in jail. And... Um, so the, the news is delayed a week or so before it hits the West. Uh, but the reports are uh, there is rising unemployment because of the, uh, the Chinese, uh, because of the Evergrande you know, collapse. Uh, people, a lot of construction projects uh, Evergrande was working on are now stopped because uh, the Chinese government may say it's all right. But the uh, the uh, the rest of the, uh, the 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 financial system, which China does not try and coerce into, you know, doing what they want, because they know that doesn't work, big time. Uh, uh, Evergrande has no more credit, so you know the thousands and thousands of, of uh, workers are out of um, out of employment, and uh, there's a lot of buildings standing empty. Now there are already, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, uh, housing units. You know, basically high rises and, and commercial uh, units, which were built on spec by provincial officials who then lied about it. Well, those are still standing there. Pictures have gotten out. And the latest reports are most of them are still empty. Uh, and the, 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 the municipalities that own them are still paying minimal fees to keep them viable. Even that's getting, getting too expensive. But as far as Evergrande is concerned, China has other problems. They really demand attention. And one is their huge energy shortage. Now, they had they had three things going on. One, they were going to try and cut back on coal use in order to reduce the pollution in major cities. Now, this pollution is 
is world class, shall we, shall we say. The worst municipal pollution in the world uh, is in major Chinese cities, and, and especially Beijing, the capital. And it's it, the problem with it being so bad in Beijing is that is where you have a lot of foreign, well, the embassies, and you also have uh, a lot of journalists who can have easy access, as it were, you know, to the outside world. And they were filing story after story about how they, on many days they have to keep the kids inside. You know, basically uh, a lot of people are paying big money to put uh, to air filters on their homes or apartments or, or businesses, which increases costs. And um, China found this extremely embarrassing. So they started to selectively uh, shut down, you know, coal use uh, on firms that were contributing the most of this pollution to the big uh, municipal areas. Now, that's not all of China. But then they got hit with uh, uh, two other problems. One was uh, unusually heavy flooding this past year, which affected a lot of the coal-producing areas. So those collieries are basically shut down or undergoing repairs. They're not producing, even if they wanted to. Uh, the second problem is they were waging a trade war with Australia, and one aspect of that was, well, they weren't ordering more raw materials, especially coal. And there were huge shipments of coal piled up. You're waiting in ships uh, to be offloaded. And the Chinese were saying, no. Well, now they finally said, yes, we'll pay the demurrage fees. That's the fees you got to pay the, the, the ship owners for sitting around for so long. And Australia not only won that one, but they also went in and formed this alliance with Britain and the United States, <clears throat> the, the special relationship, as it were, which enabled... Um, uh, Britain to get a head start on building uh, nuclear submarines and ballistic missile submarines uh, because they could basically, they had access to American technology. Now, they designed their own subs, but they bought the power plants from the United States and they bought the missiles. They put their own warheads on them um, and were jointly basically building a new class of um, SSBNs, those that are missile carrying subs and SSNs. Now, both the United States and Britain are retiring older classes, are planning to retire older classes of, of ships. Now, Britain only has, I think, eight uh, nuclear uh, ships, subs. Four of them are SSNs. The astute class, I believe, is the one that's on its way out. And then they have four of their SSBNs, which are also being replaced at the same time the United States built its new Columbia-class SSBNs. And that, that cooperation was a lifesaver. Well, not a lifesaver, but basically it speeds up the process for Britain. We've been basically designing our new uh, uh, SSBNs in, in collaboration with them. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the plans for a new uh, sea-launched ballistic missile are also in the works, not as aggressively. And we also coordinate that with the British. Well, now the, uh, the Australians were able to dump the, uh, the French uh, project to build a non-nuclear barracuda. That's the latest French, uh, you know, uh, SSM, because the French were way behind in in delivering on that project, which is multi-phase. In other words, it includes uh, allowing uh, Australia to get technology transfer to build uh, some of the the subs they wanted. I think uh, 12 subs, uh, conventional powered. And uh, they were just falling further and further behind. And they have a problem with their current Collins class are getting old and they're paying billions of dollars to refurbish all of them to extend their life, you know, into the uh, it's a 20, 30 or later. 
Um, but not, that might have not even be enough for them to get their nukes built in time. So the, the, the proposals are, well, we could always lease you uh, cheap Los, retiring Los Angeles-class subs, which have a few years left on them, and maybe one or two of the British astute class, um, which will enable you to uh, train you know, sailors, uh, crews, which are hard to get. Now, that's another problem Australia has. <laughs> they had problems getting enough uh, crews, uh, qualified crews for their Collins class stuff. That's something they didn't even come up. Now, that's scary. Um, not so much for us. We have problems as well, although changes in our uh, the American military may make it harder to hang on to those nuclear, the nuke sailors, as it were, um, as well as everybody else. But that's another story. Um, but the uh, uh, the the this was a, a major setback uh, for China <clears throat> because instead of getting the uh, Australians to kowtow, as it were, uh, to China, uh, they made China, Australia more defiant. And of course, now uh, Australia is finding more and more Chinese spies and Chinese influence in Australia. Uh, it's getting pretty ugly for China. Um, so China has multiple problems with their economy. Uh, they they can't they, even by importing illegally importing coal from uh, uh, North Korea. They had cut the illegal imports out. The you know the officially sanctioned imports of major items, um, and they they re restored that. And of course now they're shipping in more food and uh, and uh, basically distilled petroleum products. You know uh, gasoline, kerosene, and what have you into North Korea. But North Korea is basically a small player in all this. They've been running this uh, this threaten, 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 stomp our feet, threaten all sorts of stuff for so long. Uh, it's no longer all that scary. Now, Iran is another problem. Uh, they are basically, uh, how should I put it, failing on all fronts <clears throat> because the uh, the hardliners took over. There are two two basic basic factions in the uh, Islamic uh, Republic or Islamic, uh, religious dictatorship in, in Iran, the radicals, which everybody knows about, and what uh, the Westerners often call moderates. Well, they're not moderates. They're nationalists. And they have uh, uh, talked about uh, putting more emphasis on taking care of the Iranian people because there have been major uh, uprisings in, as in uh, you know uh, all over Iran because of mismanagement. And especially after the uh, 2015 uh, sanction lifting accord went into effect, uh, as uh, sanctions were lifted and uh, uh, Iran could export more, the government promised that would improve uh, the living standards. You know, you got about half the people living in poverty in Iran. Um, and uh, people got angry when they realized it wasn't improving. You know, the money was still being stolen, diverted to the uh, the IRGC for the foreign wars in Syria and Yemen and what have you. Um, and the government said, no, 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 these things take time. Well, then the United States uh, looked at what was going on and said, you're in violation of the uh, the 2015 treaty. We're reinstituting all of our economic sanctions. Now, that was bad news because if the U.S. says we're sanctioning, that means anybody else who tries to violate those sanctions is in trouble. Now, uh, Western Europe and Russia, uh, who basically signed off on that uh, 2015 treaty, huffed and puffed, but they found out they couldn't do much. So it got worse in Iran, and the government tried to blame it on America, on, on reimposed sanctions, but that isn't working. Uh, so they have a serious problem. Now, if they go ballistic, so to speak, 
uh, and the uprisings, you know, uh, reached 1979 levels when the uh, the clergy led uh, a, a rebellion against the Shah, the monarchy. Um, you could have another uh, uh, rebellion, except this time nuclear weapons or nuclear material is in play. A lot, especially a lot of a, a lot of ballistic missiles, um, and uh, somebody will uh, grab those who shouldn't have control and possibly use them to trigger a, a, a retaliation that will rally the Iranian people behind him. Well, yeah, good luck with that. But anyway, that's a possibility. Um, Korea is another uh, problem, even though South uh, North Korea is not as big a problem as it used to be, because the uh, because of the uh, growing uh, North Korean threats uh, on South Korea and a 2010 outburst of violence, uh, which North Korea denied, but they, there was evidence you know, all over the place that they did it. They sank an America, a, 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 a South Korean Corvette near the maritime border, and they fired on a, uh, a island, uh, a South Korean island, and did some damage. They, 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 they caused casualties. And uh, this basically eliminated any chance of uh, friendly diplomacy. Uh, from uh, South Korea, and uh, and and the South Koreans turned to us and said, "Look, we'd like to basically uh, drop a lot of the uh, uh, the uh, arms restriction features of the of these mutual defense treaty we signed with the United States, which basically guarantees reinforcements in case of an attack and and nuclear protection, as it were, in case somebody threatened them with nukes." Um, and lo and behold. Uh, recently, the uh, South Koreans launched a new class of uh, conventional submarines, the Soon class, and one of its capabilities, uh, vertical launch tubes, and they promptly launched uh, one of their uh, new ballistic missiles. Uh, they, they've since, you know, uh, basically built and manufactured in short time a, a number of uh, missiles they were previously forbidden to have, including long-range cruise missiles. Uh, but also ballistic missiles, but they put a modified version of their working ballistic missile, which has a range of about 500 kilometers, and they launched it. They did a successful underwater launch from this new class of submarines, the KSS-3 or, you know, uh, class. And uh, the first four of those will have, I think, what is it, six, six vertical launch tubes, and the rest will have 10. So they're really investing in this uh, sort of thing. And the North Koreans have nothing to, to counter it with. And the Chinese are in trouble, too, <laughs> because they have never been able to get their nuclear missile boats working. But here is South Korea with very quiet, you know, that these new uh, conventional sums have AIP, you know, our uh, uh, air independent propulsion, which is quieter than a nuclear sub, uh, which they can get when they tested this new uh, class. It could stay underwater for nearly three weeks. They classified exactly how much, but they said it was it was exceeded uh, previous expectations, which were about two weeks. So, I mean, three weeks is long enough to stay underwater and evade detection and do all sorts of mischief, like laying mines outside Chinese ports, uh, launching somebody's ballistic missiles, even with conventional warheads. This was very embarrassing for the Chinese. So the Chinese are being hit on all levels uh, with embarrassments. And one does not know how they're going to respond. Now, normally, China, like the traditional, you know, the non-radical Iranian leaders, they are prudent people, fundamentally. That's how they've been, you know, superpowers in their region, uh, locate locations uh, for so long. Uh, but now they're being forced to, well, not being forced, 
but their radicals, as it were, are acting uncharacteristically rash out of desperation. And that's bad news for the Chinese because they do have nukes. They do have ICBMs. Um, and uh, I don't think they get desperate enough to threaten you know, anybody else with nukes if they, they have a revolution. Because, again, that's not in their nature. The, the revolution that followed, uh, followed Mao Zedong uh, had, had, had basically experienced leadership to take their place, the radicals, because the Chinese uh, don't you know, execute people who are out of favor. They retire them uh, or put them in under house arrest for years and years. And a lot of these people were released and got right back into power and basically turned China into a uh, free market economy, which, bingo, now they're the second largest uh, economy in the world. But that is all threatened because they hadn't really addressed the corruption problem, which they always had. And it got worse as there was more money to steal. Uh, so China is a big question mark. Um, and so you have you know, China, Iran, uh, Korea, and of course, Europe is concerned about what's going on in the United States or what's not going on. Um, and uh, they are not so much angry at us, but they're concerned because they can no longer rely on their most, their most powerful ally. And even the French are coming right out and saying, you people have gone nuts. Uh, in so many words, it sounds better in French. And um, it brings back for many French, you know, the historical memory of the, uh, the terror, which basically uh, destroyed the revolution, the original French Revolution, and allowed Napoleon to come in and end the terror, which basically had people, uh, you know, uh, how should I put it, using the guillotine liberally to uh, uh, cancel, as it were, their opponents, real or imagined. Um, and Napoleon crowned themselves emperor. So obviously that was the end of the, the French Republic, although it technically still exists. Um, and uh, all the, you know, history doesn't, you know, repeat itself, but it paraphrases itself on a regular basis. And now that's happening. And unfortunately, a lot of the scariest rephrases are occurring or are about to reoccur. And it's hard to tell how the world will handle it. Austin? What's the scariest things for you? Well, Dan, the scariest thing is the Cold War between the United States and China that has really been going on now for about two decades, maybe a little bit longer. That Cold War going hot. And I don't think that is uh, too radical a statement to make when you uh, look at the aggressive, I mean, it's, 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 Jim used the word prudent talking about the, the way, uh, that, that component of Chinese leadership, but we've seen the on off and very calculated on aggression mode, uh, followed by a, a diplomatic and verbal placation, but not really withdrawal. That's been done since 1962 and the Sino-Indian War, and the Indians are aware of that uh, in the uh, Himalayan region, just slow uh, expansion and improvement of Chinese positions to where they uh, achieve complete dominance, that's what they're seeking, of the high ground over the main invasion routes of uh, India, and I'm talking all uh, along the, uh, 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 
3,500 kilometer uh, uh, line of uh, control. And that's, uh, they've been doing it, creeping aggression. We've seen that in the South China Sea. You can really <laughs> witness that from the late 1970s when uh, China took uh, several islands from uh, uh, North Vietnam. Even took one from South Vietnam before South Vietnam uh, 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 fell, if I recall correctly. But then solidifying their position there in the uh, uh, Paracels uh, uh, Islands, northern part of the South China Sea. Then uh, moved into uh, the uh, Spratleys and uh, have already taken uh, a chunk out of the Philippines uh, exclusive economic zone. We've talked several times about the 2016 Hague Arbitration Court ruling that uh, ratified 98%, 99% of the Philippines complaint, even including charging China with resource theft. And they, they concentrated, at least in part of the decision I read on on uh, fishing resources, but uh, you, you knew the ultimate game was acquisition of what are very likely, I, I would say it's certain now because of the uh, uh, drilling tests, but they had seismic uh, initially that, that you had uh, uh, natural gas, significant natural gas deposits and some uh, scattered but potentially productive uh, crude oil, depo uh, crude oil uh, deposits as well in the region. And you can see that, and this is something that uh, well documented on strategy page, uh, China's fast increase, particularly in its Navy. Jim's concentrated and often on also making the points of what the Chinese have tried to do with their uh, land forces as well. And we've seen that uh, both the maritime and land power uh, modernization. Uh, it, they've improved their forces. They not only have improved them, they have uh, built competitive. Maybe the technology is, in fact, is I don't think the technology is up to uh, US and, and Western standards, but it's approached good enough. Uh, this week, we've also had the uh, fractional orbital ballistic uh, missile demonstration that included a hypersonic glide uh, warhead. It, well, that was uh, impressive. I, I don't buy some of the uh, <clears throat> panic talk that I've heard uh, on some of the major uh, national, uh, national media. I don't think uh, CIA was totally surprised by that. And it's uh, something that uh, it, it is it, it is a demonstration of a, a very uh, uh, potent uh, capability that which is the point I want to make that the Chinese have have uh, produced truly capable uh, modern 21st century uh, uh, 21st century weapons but that's that's just the military component of the diplomatic and economic uh, elements, their uh, power cocktail for uh, establishing hegemony in Northeast Asia, uh, Central Asia as well. That's the Belt and Road Initiative. 
uh, which and and then also global uh, uh, global hegemony. They do want to replace the United States as the number one uh, superpower. What they want, though, is unlike the U.S. and I'm going to get to something that Jim uh, alluded to a, a moment ago about the, a real uh, scary component about the uh, U.S. The U.S. is really a, an alliance leader. And despite the propaganda and a, a, a leader by a quiet acclamation, I think I'll use that uh, phrase given the the uh, amount of uh, griping and uh, accusations that you hear in, in major media. But remember also pick up on something Jim said about the Macron and the French president uh, worrying about U.S. liability more than more than worried. What China wants, China doesn't want to care about alliances. They're, those are all uh, convenient. The uh, Chinese Communist Party, and by the way, Jim's called it Wuhan virus. I prefer to call it Chinese Communist Party uh, virus. Dan, I hope we can do that on strategy page, CCCP virus. Uh, they want their say, and they don't care about what uh, they really do not care about what anyone else says. It's middle kingdom attitude. This is uh, uh, back to uh, some classical Chinese concept that uh, they have uh, everything and they need nothing else. And uh, their, their word, their desires are determinative. Yeah, if, if you think I'm overdoing it, ask the countries that live around them start with Mongolia and you know, South Korea, Japan, Taiwan, I'm calling a separate country, Vietnam, ask India, um, ask the Uyghurs out in Xinjiang province if, they, if that's my uh, description was uh, <clears throat> over the top. I think it's uh, I think it's dead on. There's also just to, just to lay it out there for the cancel culture crowd. Uh, there's an ethnic Han uh, superiority component to it. You know, the Han Chinese are the world's largest ethnic group by a long shot. I think the figure is, and Jim may, he may have corrected, aren't there about 900 million, maybe a billion Han? I think that's, I think that's in the zone, but China also has about three or 400 million uh, <laughs> minority, minorities out of its 1.3, 1.4 billion people. But uh, there's a, a, a Han uh, superiority complex, dare I say, uh, racism uh, uh, at play, at least, and it's something that I'm not going to say that it, the Chinese people themselves are promoting, but I think it's being played upon by Xi Jinping. That's scary, Dan. It, it's scary, and it's lost in the uh, uh, critique, what should be a, a, a harsh critique of the uh, Chinese Communist Party and uh, Xi Jinping's uh, uh, leadership cadre. Uh, so they are, China is expanding. China has uh, provoked, frightened, virtually, and this is, see, this actually, uh, I'm here, I'm coming up with something that here, uh, the fear and provocation has produced counter reaction that I see as positive. And Jim spent some time talking about the Australian, UK, and US. Uh, uh, nuclear uh, submarine ag uh, uh, agreement. Uh, 
so there's much closer cooperation now uh, between, uh, uh, well, I always say there really was between the uh, Japanese maritime forces and the uh, U.S. Navy, but closer cooperation between South Korea and Japan. Uh, Japan is already talking openly about uh, aiding in the defense of Taiwan. That sends a message back to the, the Chinese Communist Party that they don't want to hear. And Vietnam, we've known for about 20, 25 years, <laughs> wants to become a U.S. ally. I'm just slight note of humor. It's not humorous at all. I, uh, there are lots of reasons, good reasons, for uh, defense cooperation with Vietnam. I'll also note this is something we covered in strategy page, I want to say, seven or eight years ago. Uh, I think it was one of the things I, I added to one of Jim's uh, Korea uh, uh, updates. I know we discussed it, that South Korea had started uh, some coordination, military to military, on modernizing Vietnamese forces. And it was being done by the uh, South Koreans. And why are the South Koreans doing it? <laughs> it's not because they're selling uh, mid-technology mid, mid weapons to the Vietnamese is sending a message both to North Korea and, uh, and, and communist China, because one of the last things uh, Beijing wants is our modernized Vietnamese uh, uh, ground forces. Well, that's, that's too bad. It's part of, part of counter reaction. But I see the Chinese threat as, as real. Jim has gone through the uh, economic issues economic problems, economic threats domestically that uh, uh, China faces. Uh, I'll say they deserve them and for, for many reasons. It's, it's, it's contradictions with their, in their own uh, system that the uh, dictatorship uh, claims to wish to uh, address, but uh, it's, you're back to a pogo situation where they said that we found the enemy and the enemy is us, their own uh, deep uh, uh, corruption and also their insistence on keeping some of the SOE state-owned enterprises uh, uh, operating, uh, and they, they really are uh, uh, behemoths. Uh, China's wedded to a too big to fail, uh, at least the, uh, the uh, senior leadership, too big to fail. Uh, they're in a too big to fail situation with, with some of the uh, state-owned enterprises, and they bought extra time by getting them contracts to supposedly, you know, build a grid and, and modern infrastructure in places like the Democratic Republic of Congo. How's that going? Not going well. Uh, <clears throat> there's even more corruption in Congo. I, I say that as an example. They've, they've, they've spent a lot of money in, uh, on the Belt and Road Initiative, and it hasn't, it hasn't paid off in the ways they thought it would for keeping the uh, state-owned enterprises uh, uh, afloat. A quick comment, though. I, I, I heard this morning, uh, we try to stay away from immediate news, but Evergrande is claiming it's going to make a uh, unexpected payment on its debt, but that's just rolling the uh, problem forward uh, a few more a few more weeks. And who knows, as, as, Jim, as Jim was saying, that uh, the uh, Beijing has uh, it, has played that uh, backup game uh, in, in the breach for for problems like this. 
in the past. It's just that e Evergreen, is, as I understand it, I know Jim's got a better handle on this than I do, is really tied into a lot of the uh, domestic infrastructure, housing, housing issues uh, yeah, within, uh, within China. Uh, so that's, China presents a multifaceted, multidimensional threat, but it's a real threat. The party knows they've got domestic issues. I also think, and this will translate, trans, uh, move on to what I see as another absolutely scary, uh, scary issue, is I think they see that they've got an opportunity because of the dysfunctional leadership in the United States. Afghanistan is just uh, an example uh, of it. Questionable U.S. reliability. I've written a couple of columns about this already, about the way uh, Taiwan uh, has the, chi the Chinese propaganda arm telling Taiwan, see, that you can't rely on the United States. Uh, you, they'll, uh, the United States will buckle and, and run, and you're left there. You may as well just go ahead and let us absorb you peacefully. Uh, and uh, there, the, the joke is on the communists, if they had moderated themselves, they would be making tons of money and Taiwan would be an ally. But that's, that's an alternative history that is uh, not, not in the books. Not, not only in the books, it's not, uh, not realistic at all. Uh, they've uh, opted for an offensive, but it's an offensive that uh, they realize that if they don't act, time's running out. And I find that very scary because of the military capabilities uh, that they have. Jim went through the details too of their own, of their uh, energy energy issues. So they understand they're they're fragile. But when they sense opportunity, you know, here's here's the time to uh, to go. No, what am I saying? I say within the next uh, two to four years, uh, maybe sooner. Uh, I'm not sure how it would be, uh, uh, how it would uh, kick off. We can, I've got, you know, scenarios and cocktails from hell and we discuss some of them uh, uh, here on Strategy Page Podcast. But uh, to move to the other scary issue, and that is U.S. reliability. Uh, Jim talked about uh, what Macron had had said and he went on and talking about Napoleon, and the, but also talking during the terror. When the Jacobins uh, radicals rule, they cancel cultured their enemies by cutting their heads off. Here uh, in the United States, we've seen the effects of cancel culture on uh, it, conservative and really moderate intellectuals, and now even some left uh, uh, left wing, more leftist uh, 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 intellectuals that uh, disagree with. Uh, I'll, uh, they're, they're really crypto Marxist, which means slightly hidden <laughs> Marxist philosophies, but critical race theory as uh, as as uh, oh, one example. Or uh, you know, you're a you're a terrorist if uh, you disagree with the local school board. You know that that that's a, a, a trying to cancel culture. In that case, uh, <clears throat> some parents in a, a, a county and in uh, northern Virginia. It's using media as a, gu uh, as a guillotine, but also jobs 
and uh, that's uh, moved. They've moved from the uh, university, uh, definitely in a government, and we see this effect on, on the U.S. military as well. And that's scary to see uh, intentionally divisive, uh, divisive training, propaganda training that undermines camaraderie, undermines uh, unit cohesion, uh, uh, destroys morale. I understand that I heard something that Jim said that, that about difficulty of holding on to uh, uh, nu nuclear trained uh, personnel in the US Navy. Uh, why would they leave? Uh, they uh, feel underappreciated, underpaid, and the it's the corrosiveness on uh, uh, on uh, morale, bad leadership. That's at a personal level, but you see it as a systemic problem. And now, what Macron was uh, expressing grave concern about was the Biden bug out from Afghanistan, which was a debacle, and we've already discussed it a couple of times on strategy page podcasts. Uh, even more blunt was Boris Johnson. I'm not going to uh, quote him directly. You know, we, we don't do that on strategy talk. I don't have anything in front of me uh, at all, except the, you know, the, the uh, Skype messages. Uh, but he was astounded at the lack of coordination with allies, uh, particularly major allies. And by that, he meant the United Kingdom and France, <laughs> but but not not just the the, the Great Britain and uh, and France. We had really about let's see if the figure is uh, I'm, I'll just say twenty. We'll say two dozen allies uh, that were involved in the uh, to a greater or lesser degree uh, in Afghanistan, including the Norwegians and also the India. India had put a lot of effort in, at the uh, non-governmental organization uh, level because the, they understood that it was the Pakistani inter service intelligence who's their primary active uh, enemy was the, really the uh, controlling enemy force in, Af in Afghanistan. And here we are, the, uh, the, the quad, which is Japan, Australia, the U.S., uh, and India. India's uh, at least uh, from, I'll say, 2015, 2016, end of Obama administration, but definitely during the Trump administration, more a uh, functional, not outright, but functional uh, ally uh, of, uh, of, of Japan, Australia. Uh, and, and the United States uh, in terms of uh, training, naval training, and uh, uh, at, at, the, at the secondary diplomatic, uh, diplomatic level. And that's, you know, the, uh, part because of the threat that, of China, the China the, that India perceives, you know, the, uh, and, the, and the Himalayas, but uh, also with the way that a uh, port of Ghadar in in uh, Pakistan. It's essentially uh, a, a Chinese uh, 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 naval base. Well, here's the U.S. with, a, with America. We're the masters of non-combatant 
evacuation operations, bar none. And it's a disorganized catastrophe. And the administration thinks it's done a good job. What planet are you guys on? Everybody else sees the the uh, the, uh, the the debacle. And, and all right, I'm going to you know leaving U.S. citizens and green card carriers, but uh, there's no question there's still uh, several thousand uh, Afghans who risk their lives to help uh, the modernization uh, process and stabilization process, and not just translators, but, you know, and they deserved special immigrant visas. And the state, <laughs> there, there was absolutely no preparation or next to no preparation. And all perception politics on the part of the uh, Biden administration. Because if something goes wrong, we'll just blame the Trump administration. No, this is your call. And our allies saw it. It hurt them and seeded grave doubts about American reliability. And again, we're the, we're the stabilizer. Even some of our enemies appreciate that, even though they'd never say it. It's just known that the fact that, wait a minute, the U.S. is going to be the adult in the room. And instead, we've got a philosophy that has escaped the faculty clubs. Uh, that is that the United States is the problem. And it's become part of the guiding strategy in the current administration. And our allies see it. Jim's connection to the uh, uh, French Revolution and the terror after is, is uh, Jim, I, I got to give you credit again. It's great. It's uh, and there is some truth to it. Now, it's it's it leads in, in our case, given the threat I see out of China, it is that morale. Uh, erosion of will. To deter a nuclear war, your enemy has got to believe that you're going to fire back at him. That was the the key component of stability during the Cold War. And I think there's a lot of doubts. Uh, both here in the United States, I'm expressing it willfully, publicly, and, you know, with it's, uh, I'm sad about this. Not only just sad about it, it's, uh, I am worried about it. But we've seen it from our allies. And as Jim made the joke, he says, when the French are, <laughs> are criticizing the United States for, for essentially cowardice, I think that would be a fair, fair, fair word, cowardice, uh, stupidity, surrender. The French accusing the United States of surrender. Okay, there's your joke, except not a joke. And I, I guess I'm going to end this down because I've made my point about it being scary is that I love teasing the French, but the thing is, they do a heck of a lot around the uh, around the planet for stability themselves and for for what remains of the free world. They really do. They're just quiet about it, and then they want to go around and say, you know, that oh, we're not, you know, the, you know, well, go blame Washington. And the game is, as long as they're doing it, and we're resolute, fine. Let them say that. 
I wish they wouldn't, but they do. But they do do a lot, just like the British do. And uh, we have other allies that do as well. Jim and I have gone over about how much we both dislike Erdogan and what he's doing to Turkey. But if you turn around, Turkey is a problem. But Turkey is still, it's much more of an American ally than it is uh, even with Erdogan in in charge. And he won't be there forever. And I just bring, bring Turkey up as... As one that one example, I ought to say I ought to say this too, is that we, the Arab Gulf nations, you know, that criticize us all the time, but now they're worried. Afghanistan seeded a lot of worry, and it's because they understand the threat that Iran represents, and they also see how Iran's radicals are selling. You know, Iran's biggest ally right now is China. Uh, China needs Iran because it wants its oil and its uh, its position to to uh, th- uh, threaten the uh, Persian Gulf, Arabian Gulf. It's uh, you know the same, <clears throat> uh, but the uh, they they are the the Afghanistan and also some of the unwillingness to do basic security meet basic security needs in the United States. And they're now talking about Portland, Minneapolis, some of the Antifa uh, 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 actions, and also uh, the southern border. Are, uh, those are, those are become larger questions internationally when you see what happened with Afghanistan. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. I've, I've, uh, See what Jim has to say. <laughs> Jim, do you have any response to uh, Austin's? Uh, no, he covered it pretty well. I think there's plenty of scary stuff out there, and I think we've covered the ones that we know about. Like I said, it's the ones we don't know about, don't expect. That'll be scarier still, but you know that's why we, that's why people now go to haunted houses to be surprised by something they didn't expect. But they don't like that in their government. I don't. I don't like haunted houses. In reality, is really the the, the thing. But you're, you're talking about black swans, and they they happen all the time. So, yeah, unfortunately. Well, I'm not going to sleep any easier this Halloween. So, uh, we'll talk to you, gentlemen, next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Take care.